You're listening to The Invisible Blog. The Husband Stitch. Thoughts on Mythicist Milwaukee. In her brilliant essay, What I Don't Tell My Students About the Husband Stitch, which is about Carmen Maria Mercado's possibly even more wonderful short story, The Husband Stitch, you should read them both, by the way, Jane Dicama says, This is not an essay about the husband stitch. It's an essay about believing and being believed. What follows is a long overdue blog about what took place leading up to and at the Mythicist Milwaukee convention. But it's not really about Mythicist Milwaukee. It's about believing and being believed. So, like the narrator of The Husband Stitch, I'm obligated to tell you a story. And, ironically, it's one that you will believe because I'm well-spoken, because I'm a little bit famous, and because I'm a man. Where to begin? I guess with mythicism, right? So mythicism within atheism is largely a response to a movement of apologetics made popular by William Lane Craig and Lee Strobel in the early 2000s that sought to historically legitimize the Gospels, especially in regard to the resurrection. And while what is required to debunk the resurrection is the fact that human beings don't come back to life, mythicists sought to debunk the existence of Jesus Christ of Nazareth entirely. Now, I should point out that mythicism, historically and academically speaking, is not well regarded. I mean, it has reasonable proponents, like Richard Carrier, whose work in mythicism is largely based on debunking the Gospels with what may occasionally be considered some embellishment and reaching, but mythicism as a movement also contains out-and-out loons who believe that Jesus Christ was invented by the Pope in the 4th century, who don't think global warming exists and include it as part of their mythicist platform. It is not a reasonable position. And the legitimacy of mythicism as an ideology is actually besides the point. I leave that to the historians. The point is that mythicism created a group within atheism that was passionate, unified, and most importantly, had a proclivity for not caring about the truth. The mythicists, in short, were the perfect group to be infected by the anti-social justice vein in the atheist movement. We promoted Mythicism's largest convention, Mythicism Milwaukee, on our shows last year, as well as their movie. Uh, We met the organizer, Sean and Brian, at our live god-awful movies in Chicago, and they were both very obviously eager for bigger things in 2017. They asked us and Cognitive Dissonance if we'd appear at the con, and we said we were open to the idea. Shortly after this request, Brian followed up to see whether we could finalize so that they could announce our appearance, and looking on their website, as I always do when we're asked to go anywhere, I noticed they had invited two YouTubers who didn't quite fit in with the rest of their lineup. Shoe on Head and the Armored Skeptic. Okay. So, uh, for those who don't know who these people are, I'll give you the very, very short version. Shuonhead, whose real first name is June, and I I point that out because I'm not going to call someone Shu or Shuonhead in a blog that's actually about relatively serious matter. Anyways, June is an anti-feminist who has moved further left in recent years, but is known to me, and I think many others, for her video, How Many Genders? A video with millions of views mocking three people describing their gender identities. Now, in her defense, through grapevine of grapevine of friends of Twitter, I'm told that she regrets this, that she's demonetized the video and apologized. And I don't follow her work closely enough 
enough to say anything other than if that's true, I believe her. I've made mistakes. I think we all have. Uh, and today she spends as much time tweeting about turfs as she does about feminism. And, and honestly, I don't think there's much else I can say about her beliefs other than she seems to feel more comfortable using racial slurs than I think she should. Armored Skeptic, whose real first name is Greg, is another character altogether. In my mind, and from what I've seen of his work, he seems to be a true believer in the YouTube movement against social justice, and I have to be honest, he is either wrong or dishonest on such a regular basis that, unlike June, I find it very difficult to attribute the same good faith to his intentions. Now look, I don't know either of these people, but I spoke to both of my partners, as well as Tom and Cecil, and we decided, as a group, that we would rather not share a stage with them. We did not tell Mythicist Milwaukee this. Both June and Greg have smaller audiences than ours, and deplatforming them through withdrawal or threat of withdrawal wasn't something that interested us. I did, however, maintain personal interest in the convention because Thomas Smith of the Serious Inquiries Only podcast had been scheduled to interview Dave Rubin. Now, as I've said before, I disagree with Dave Rubin on a lot. I liked him better when he did a Golden Girls fan show, but I thought that interview was just what the atheist community needed. I mean, it's no secret that we as a community are divided along the lines of social justice, and I still believe that conversation between Dave and Thomas would have been fruitful. Now, sadly, because of family obligations, Ruben had to pull out, and the organizers of Mythicist Milwaukee replaced him with a YouTuber named Sargon of Akkad, whose real first name is Carl, by the way. And Sargon is a different beast entirely than June and Greg. I think it's important to point out, in the conversations surrounding Mythicist Milwaukee, the three have been grouped together. And I think that's a mistake. Look, I believe Greg and June to be wrong about many things. I would even go so far to say that Greg has demonstrated dishonesty on his channel. But they aren't spiteful or victimizing. Ignorant, yes, in my opinion. Too famous for their own good, almost certainly. But they are not Sargon. Because Sargon, unlike Greg and June is not an atheist or skeptic YouTuber who shifted to an anti-social justice platform. He's an anti-social justice YouTuber who atheism has shifted towards. His content has always been about social justice and the fact that he doesn't like it. He rose to YouTube fame on the back of Gamergate. His first videos were about Anita Sarkeesian, and he acquired his following as a sort of YouTube Kaiser Soze who was willing to say things to her and other feminists that other critics weren't. His fans were especially vicious. Most famously, in response to an online anti-bullying campaign, Carl tweeted to a member of parliament behind it, a sexual assault victim herself, I wouldn't even rape you. And that incident wasn't a one-off. He is publicly praised and been praised by the white supremacist Richard Spencer, calling him forward slash our guy forward slash, which is 4chan speak for a fellow white supremacist, or at least an ally. He's the inventor of Kekistan, a satirical country that internet trolls claim to make fun of all identity politics, but that is really a barely concealed dog whistle to white supremacists. I mean, their flag is literally a Nazi flag but green. However, despite a reasonably large platform of 700,000 subscribers, at least some of which are probably real, he, June, and Greg are 
fairly unknown in mainstream atheism. They aren't part of the atheist movement because, as their channels, social medias, and own words attest, they are anti-social justice advocates who happen to be atheists. I mean, look at their channels. In the age of Trump, their videos are about feminists and YouTubers they disagree with. And their atheism is about as core to their brand as the color of their hair. Look, I could and probably will write an entire brog about why we shouldn't let people like Sargon discourage us from participating in organized atheism. But the reason I point this out is that the Mythicist Milwaukee Conference organizers have admitted themselves in several interviews that the only reason they invited these YouTubers was because of the size of their platforms, to put butts in seats, not because they thought they had anything worthy to say about humanism, secularism, or mythicism. It's what happens after these invites are extended that made me think of the husband stitch and the idea of being believed, because it was as the news of these speakers' invitations grew that women, people of color, and other minorities in our movement asked Mythicist Milwaukee to uninvite the speakers. And failing that, for other speakers and guests, Seth Andrews, Matt Dillahunty, and Aaron Raw, to pull out in solidarity. Now, I should caveat, there were obviously people who were happy to see these people invited, some of them women, some of them people of color, but that doesn't make it, by definition, okay. Right? It's a, a slightly fancier version of the black friend excuse for racism, but the fact that they have fans who are women or people of color who don't feel like they make atheism or conventions an unsafe place doesn't negate the people who do. And as it became clear that the Mythicist Milwaukee organizers not only didn't care about the terrible things their guests had said, but actively enjoyed the attention they were getting from the controversy, this pressure shifted on to the latter, Matt Dillahunty, Seth, etc. Which is where I come in. Look, I am by no stretch of the imagination, even my own self-hating imagination, the villain of this story. Where I stand on social justice issues and keeping the community safe, I like to think, is fairly clear. However, I have a weakness for debate. As I've said on this blog, I am the sucker, and ignoring the voices of the people I fight for, I publicly supported the conversation between Carl and Thomas, as I believed it to be in good faith. I supported the choice of the invited speakers to attend, because I believed that it would be an opportunity to expose bad ideas for what they were. But more importantly, if I'm being honest, I believed that I knew better than the people who were asking me to help them. I wrote a status on Facebook in support of the convention and the conversation. I acknowledged the fears about the speakers, but ultimately I dismissed them. What I should have done is listened. What I should have done is gotten on the phone and asked the people involved whose ear I had to change things. What I did instead is ignore the people who were warning me and left the asking to people who are, if I may be so bold, absolutely terrible at asking. Look, I really don't want this blog to get bogged down in who said what to whom. I actually think part of the problem here is that there's a, a false egalitarianism between the people who didn't ask nice enough, and trust me, I will address that point, but the people who didn't ask nice enough and the people who say and do terrible things for a living. I mean, it was a failure of our community, but suffice it to say, the people who were right where I was wrong, 
I think it's fair to say, did not do a good job of convincing people who should have been on their side. The conversation quickly turned from the abhorrent behavior of one of the invited speakers to the good guys fighting amongst ourselves. And I, like many people, tuned out. And I wasn't the only one. Look, filling the cracks of all of this discussion, even the polite discussion of this convention, of who had been booked and who had said what to whom, was the undercurrent of a herd of white male atheists like myself asking what. On every post, every comment and video, one of us seemed to have to volunteer, well, you know, I don't know much about Carl, but I don't know, seems like just more drama. And this was compounded by the infighting on the pro-social justice side. I mean, it just seemed like drama because we were so busy attacking each other that what we were fighting about got lost in a hail of insults. And thus, underneath every comment and post asking for help, there seemed to be a mirror of myself asking why we should care. I like to think, given the behavior of the organizers since and how things have gone, that I would have been on the right side of this thing had I been aware of their true intentions, that I would have listened. But if I'm honest, I don't know if that's true. As Mikado's narrator says of her husband, he is not a bad man, and that, I realize, suddenly is the root of my hurt. Which is why what happens next is so much worse. On October 30th, the day of Mythicist Milwaukee, I'm in Salt Lake City, living on the other side of the atheist movement, the experience that so often blinds me. I'm flown across the country on the dollar of listeners who have paid real money to see me, a fact that still shocks me. Well, while Thomas was debating Sargon, I was eating lunch with Mark and Dan of Thank God I'm Atheist, Noah and Heath, all of whom I have no business sharing a stage with, but... I'm seeing posts from people who were there, and they were off. There's a kid wearing a Kekistani flag. There are dozens of Make America Great Agains. There are Bible-carrying Christians there to see a speaker who's not going to challenge their beliefs. What kind of atheist convention is this? And then I'm texted a link to a Facebook post of a 10-second video clip. I watch Thomas bring up the quote, to Carl, the gotcha, right? The I wouldn't even rape you tweet. And the crowd cheers at an atheist convention on the bill with a debate about the future of Islam moderated by Matt Dillahunty. And just before the screening of a movie about the historicity of Jesus, there is a cheering ovation for mocking a rape victim. I froze watching the clip, literally froze where I was standing and said out loud, oh God, what if a rape victim is in the audience as though it's a possibility there wasn't? How must that have felt? And how could this have happened? How could I have let this happen? How could we have let this happen? And sure enough, that night, there it was. All my fears realized, a little... YouTube channel. She likes my shows. Um, she goes by CC, so I'm going to call her CC. On Twitter, shared by a friend, quote, I watched this and broke down in tears. As a rape victim, I will never forget this. It was devastating, and I will never forgive it either. End quote. 
When I joined Scathing Atheist, it was clear to me that I wasn't going to be as smart as Noah or even as funny as Heath, but I could take the platform I'd been given and use it to fight for the things I was passionate about. I could let people know that they are welcome here, that they are safe and loved here, that even the dick joke puppy rape movie guy was there for them, that we were different. And when it came to Mythicist Milwaukee, I failed. And, and look, before you come to my defense or tell me my heart was in the right place, I know all that, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to her. I've talked about being a bully as a kid, and what I learned from that is that now doesn't matter. There, there is no magic spell when you hurt someone. You live with it. You live with it forever. No matter how many people pull me aside to tell me how much my show means or how much I've helped them or how much they like my allyship, it didn't help her. It doesn't change that night where she and all the other people who didn't tweet about it sat at home feeling alone because of something I could have stopped. Because we didn't listen. Because I didn't listen. See... Here's the thing, I sort of said it at the beginning, but the people who fought to stop this thing had hearts and minds in the right places, but they lacked my power and my charm, as small as both of those things are. So the only voices people heard were extreme ones, the ones who didn't ask nice enough. And look, I want to say right now, no, you shouldn't have to ask nice. Of course, you shouldn't have to ask at all. But I'm good at asking nice. I could have helped... I could have stepped in with the good guys before the name-calling and the infighting started, before everyone on the right side of this thing was too busy fighting amongst themselves to stop it. Fuck, I probably could have offered Mythicist Milwaukee a goddamn live show. I have to believe I could have helped. People asked me to help, and I didn't listen. And this was the major disappointment of the whole Mythicist Milwaukee incident for me. Not the invitation of assholes as speaker. Cons accidentally invite assholes all the time. Bigotry and anti-intellectualism is having its day with President Trump, and shitlord con was inevitable. Shitlord con existed before this year. It just wasn't also an atheist convention. That is not what bothered me. What bothered me is what I saw from the uninformed when they personally became educated enough to see that these speakers didn't deserve a platform. On one thread, I saw a response to the I wouldn't even rape you tweet. Someone put up like a screen cap of it. And the comment was a white guy saying, don't you see? You're giving them so much more attention. I'm going to watch his videos now. In response to seeing the I wouldn't even rape you tweet. On another thread, and this is real, I promise, someone said, can someone sum this up in a single sentence for me? And when someone did, his response was, don't see what the big deal is. If you don't like the speakers, don't go. I mean, hell, this whole blog is necessitated by the fact that I could not write it without telling the story. If I began this post here, if I just started about talking about why we as a community need to start listening and believing when people who pay attention to this poison tell us something or someone is dangerous, I would get a dozen comments on my teeny tiny little blog asking me what the fuck I was talking about. 
We considered talking about this incident unscathing, and we realized that it would not only be giving attention to people who we didn't want to have attention anymore, but we would have to devote 20 entirely non-humorous minutes to the subject just to prevent 10,000 emails, comments, and tweets of motherfucking whataboutery that we would have gotten anyway. Look, all the things we expected to learn after the fact are being learned from Mythicist Milwaukee. Look, everyone has come out against the organization who even begins to matter in organized atheism. There's no one who will ever touch them with a 10-foot pole ever again. Hell, they pissed off Andy Wilson. Andy Wilson from the Merseyside Skeptics, the organizer of QED. The nicest human on the planet. A man so nice that my running joke about him being a murderer is one of the most popular bits I've ever created to this day. Do you know what I would do if Andy Wilson and Matt Dillahunty and Seth Andrews and Dave Silverman all wrote Facebook statuses about what a piece of shit I was? I would will myself inside out with shame. And look, the organization, they lost $12,000 on this convention. And look, yes, they used a GoFundMe to get it back through shitlords, but the shitlords aren't going to do that every year. And the fundraiser, by the way, will very likely lose them their nonprofit status because of fundraising laws and disclosure. Fun fact. And every conference organizer I've spoken to in the last three months has said, we don't want another mythicist Milwaukee. But we'll get one. This will happen again if we, as the secular community, cannot learn to listen. As atheists, as secularists, we need to release the worship of our own skepticism and understand that I don't know about all that does not mean nobody knows. Does not mean that you get to be neutral to people's requests for help until you've made your own mind up. I hope we all learn that when the vulnerable members of our community tell us that someone is a predator or a racist or a misogynist who will make this community unsafe for them and others, our answer shouldn't be skepticism. Shouldn't be our own personal test for whether or not that feeling is valid. And look, you are not obligated to memorize every YouTube asshole and Twitter moron. Of course you're not. Of course you're not. But if we want to be a welcoming community, if we want to be a humanist movement, you are obligated to listen to the people who do know about these things. And that's where I failed. That's where I failed you, where I failed myself, and where I failed Cece. And so, Cece, I'm sorry. I should have done what I could. I should have smiled big and asked nice and stopped this thing in its tracks or at least tried. I should have listened when you asked for help and you deserved better.